give a big welcome and thank you to all the new patrons that have come into orbit recently. I'm honored to have your support and I hope to chat with you soon in the discord. I know I've been mentioning ways to support my work a lot lately and that's because this podcast is fully crowdfunded. I've always wanted the podcast to be a free resource for people and it's going to stay that way. I vowed to never put the podcast behind a paywall or subject you guys to ads and I'm never going to do that. I will never do that. No one can buy me. No one can buy Moon Matters. They cannot buy us. There's no corporate sponsorship or any kind of sponsorship. Honestly, I'm never going to do that. So it really is because of all of you that I'm able to keep doing this. You can support my work by becoming a patron, making a one-time donation, buying a tarot reading or a poem, booking a service, or even just leaving me a really sweet review on iTunes or Spotify. All of those things would help the show out greatly. So if you're wanting to support my work, head on over to my website, moonmattersastrology.com and check it all out. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get into Juno. And we're going to get the boring stuff, you know, we're going to get that out of the way first. And we're going to talk about the astronomy of Juno before we get into the myths and significations. It's interesting sometimes how the astronomy really matches up with the myth. So let's just talk about that first. Juno is an asteroid and it's actually part of a group known as the asteroid goddesses. It's in good company with Vesta, Pallas, and Ceres. The asteroid goddesses represent the power of the divine feminine and the feminine aspects and forces within society, as well as each person individually. I'll probably end up doing episodes on the other three goddesses down the road, so if you're wanting that, don't worry, it's in the queue. Juno orbits the sun and is considered to be quite a large asteroid, which is fitting for the sister and wife of Zeus, and more on that soon. Juno moves about one degree every two days and is subject to retrograde motion just like any of the other planets. Now let's get into the mythology. In Greek mythology, Juno is Hera. So if you hear me use those two names interchangeably, I'm referring to the same person. And the same goes for Zeus and Jupiter, Saturn and Kronos, all of them. It's just, you know, the difference between the Greek and the Roman name. I'll probably try to stick to the Roman name just because those are what we use in astrology. But I might slip up a little bit and let the Greek in here or there. I think we all know that Greek and Roman mythology can be a little messy, especially when we're trying to understand family trees. And I also want to give a mild trigger warning for this myth. Zeus isn't known for being the coolest guy when it comes to women and relationships. And Greek mythology in general is usually over the top and extreme in order to drive the point home. So just a very, very mild trigger warning on the actions of Zeus as we go through this myth. Juno and Jupiter are actually siblings. They're both children of Saturn, actually, which that's the whole, that's a whole other story in itself. But for today's purposes, just know that the family tree, as far as that goes, Jupiter and Juno are actually siblings. Zeus and Hera are actually siblings. Juno's main mythology deals with the courtship between her and Jupiter and then all the madness that followed after that. I'll say that I'm using the word courtship lightly here and very lightly. The story of how Juno and Jupiter ended up together has two slightly different versions, but they both start the same. And that's with Jupiter disguising himself as a cuckoo bird. Jupiter was constantly after Juno. He saw her as the pinnacle of everything and he wanted to rule over Olympus with her by his side. 
She was classy. She had morals. And before the birth of Aphrodite, she was actually considered to be the most beautiful goddess of them all. She was tall and striking and powerful. And again, she had these morals and ethics that I'll say Aphrodite didn't. There's there's a really big difference and a really interesting difference between the the divine feminine that Aphrodite embodies and that Juno embodies. And maybe that's a whole other podcast in itself or a blog post or something, but they're very different. She embodied a lot of the qualities that Zeus himself didn't have and would never have. When I think of Juno, the words demure, elegant, sophisticated, and noble come to mind. And those are all words that definitely do not come to mind when I think of Zeus. It's likely those qualities that made Jupiter so attracted to Juno. That and the fact that Juno would turn him away time and time again. Jupiter was not used to getting rejected and he pulled out all the stops to try to get Juno to marry him. Juno knew who her brother was. He was a scoundrel who didn't respect women or the sanctity of marriage, and he didn't have a committed bone in his body, nor the desire to temper his salacious ways or to change his ways. So Juno was not one bit interested in any of that. Jupiter, again, wasn't used to being told no or not getting what he wanted. He was the king of gods and no one denies the king of Mount Olympus what he wants. So he came up with a plan. One day, Jupiter disguised himself as a helpless, sad-looking, disheveled little cuckoo bird, and he made sure to be somewhere that Juno would see him as this pitiful little bird. Juno did indeed stumble upon the unfortunate little cuckoo bird, and being the kind and caring soul that she was, Juno picked the bird up and cradled it. Not too long after the bird was close to Juno's chest, it obviously magically transformed back into Jupiter, and this is the part of the myth where it kind of splits off. Some versions say that Juno took so much pity on the bird, and when she realized it was actually Jupiter, She was just, you know, so touched or she finally got worn down and she decided to marry him. Now, the other version of the myth is the more likely version, in my opinion. After Jupiter transformed back into his true form, he then capitalized on his close proximity to Juno and had sex with her and it wasn't exactly consensual. Juno being the pure and moral goddess she was felt so much shame and guilt from the experience that She just finally agreed to marry Jupiter because it would save her sense of purity and it would uphold her morals. So basically, he used her morals and her ethics against her in order to force her to marry him. And the first version I explained was likely created to sugarcoat the reality of the situation. A lot of Greek myths have These things happen in them that shock our modern age sensibilities, but that's also the point of them. These myths are important commentaries on society, morals, values, ethics, and just the human experience in general, and they sort of need to be told in hyperbole or they need to have those shocking elements in them in order for us to really understand what they're getting at in our psyches. The marriage of Jupiter and Juno was unlike any festival or celebration the gods had ever seen before. It's said that their wedding night lasted for 300 years. And it's only fitting that Jupiter, Zeus, king of the gods, and all things expansive in the world would have a wedding night that lasted for 300 years. But despite being a 300-year-long wedding night, the honeymoon was over pretty quickly for these two. 
Jupiter quickly went back to his old ways and let his eyes do more than just wander. The marriage of these two powerhouses was what we would call in today's terms, toxic as fuck. Jupiter was constantly cheating on Juno. His infidelity was infamous, and as the king of the gods, it's not like anyone could really say anything to him. They couldn't just pull Jupiter aside and be like, hey, bro, like, that's not cool. They couldn't pull him aside and just be like, I don't think that you should really do that to her anymore. That's just not how it was. And there's many myths that showcase Juno's commitment to Jupiter. Despite all of his bullshit, she never left his side. And actually, she typically took out her rage on the other party involved in the infidelity, which sometimes wasn't always fair because it wasn't always consensual. So while there's a lot of myths about Juno taking revenge, but still standing by Jupiter, there was this one time where she almost left. So I'm going to talk about that one. Jupiter had really up and done it this time. For Juno to not forgive, Jupiter goes against everything she fundamentally stands for, which again, more on that later when we get to her significations. But for her to not show him compassion, for her to not immediately forgive and turn a blind eye, that's big for her. So, you know, Jupiter was convinced that he was never going to get Juno back into his good graces. He consulted a wise man who told him to go make a wooden statue of a woman and then pretend to marry it. And he said, if she still loves you, if she still belongs to you, if her heart is still yours, then this will get her to come back. And if she doesn't come back, then she's gone forever. It's pretty clear. Jupiter did what the wise man said, and he made this wooden doll or this wooden, like, big woman wooden woman wooden woman. I dare you to say that three times fast. And he put a veil over it, and he was like, okay, I'm going to marry this, this figure. And Jupiter did this, and in a jealous-filled rage, Juno just appeared out of nowhere. She stormed in, and she was ready to roundhouse this fake wooden bride. After she realized it wasn't, you know, Zeus wasn't actually marrying someone else. She kind of laughed at it and she was slightly taken by his attempt to, you know, that he went out of his way to try to get her attention. And she ultimately did forgive him yet again. And there's countless stories that showcase this dynamic between Juno and Jupiter. And if you want to look them up and explore them, I suggest using the terms Zeus and Hera as you're just going to have better luck with the Greek names in the search results. But you're going to find a bunch of different myths between these two. And it wasn't always just Jupiter who was, you know, causing the antics. Sometimes Juno in her rage would sort of take it out on Zeus. There was one that I can remember where she like tied him to a bed with with leather thongs and then she was making fun of him. They were really, again, this just this toxic cycle with each other. They could not get away from each other. It's like that one couple, you know, that you're like, why? Why are they still together? And you just don't get it, but they're so committed. But then at the same time, you would look at them and you're like, wow, this is the power couple. When they were good, they were really, really good. And when they were bad, they were really, really bad. Now let's analyze the myth of these two titans and see what significations arise for Juno. Jupiter lusting after Juno indicates a desire for purity, commitment, and having a divine escort. Jupiter knew that all his frivolous escapades were void of any true meaning. He knew that he needed a divine love in order to access the power of a sacred union. I want to say before we get into 
Juno's significations too much that there is no one right way to have a relationship. And our Juno placement actually shows us what we need in order to let our divine, I'll say love blossom the most. And it just so happens that commitment is Juno's thing, but you might be in an open relationship. And in order to have commitment, you might need to be open. You might need to be able to explore more. So don't think of it just as, oh, this has to be marriage and that's it. No, it's it's what you need in order to access the power of a sacred union. What relationship dynamic works for you best in order to access that divinity of the sacred union? Juno's commitment to Jupiter never wavered, which that showcases the power of what a true vow and commitment can do for someone. For better or for worse is no joke. And by her staying and being denied a true and fulfilling union in return, her shadow side was born. When Zeus tricked her and did what he did and he took her purity away, he, you know, he kind of put that shame on her, that guilt and that shame, and he twisted her morals into being committed to him, she really had this shadow side created. Jealousy, rage, and distorted passion are all things that can arise in the human psyche when we deny our Juno the type of commitment it so deeply desires. Our Juno placement often indicates the type of union we want and what we need in order to make that union a truly fulfilling one. It can also tell us what the shadow side of an unhappy union will look like. Juno governs all aspects of a relationship. This means from inception to breakup or inception to marriage, Juno has a hand in all of it. And I'm sure you've heard of the triple crown goddess and sometimes Juno or Hera is associated with that, but it's kind of in her own way. Juno sort of has her own triple crown, which is the maiden, the bride, and the widow. Juno was married to the most powerful god, the most powerful god of them all. This means that our Juno can indicate the power we gain through a healthy and committed union. And on the flip side, it can also mean the power we lose or that we wield in an unhealthy manner when our union is struggling. Power dynamics are a big theme in human relationships. So our Juno can tell us how we throw our weight around and what tactics we might use to manipulate in order to keep control. This can even mean using children as pawns in the relationship. We can see that happen in divorces occasionally. One of the parents will use the child as a power play. And I want to take this moment again to say that while yes, Juno is a woman and a divine consort, anyone is subject to her influence. We all have a Juno placement regardless of gender or sexuality. So those don't play a role in whether you feel Juno or not because you do. Anger, scorn, jealousy, revenge, and pride are all things that can come about when Juno's needs are not being met. Things like betrayal, abandonment, and sacrificing too much for the relationship can come about when Juno isn't on stable ground. I will say that when you find a relationship that allows your Juno to feel seen and held, it'll just be the best relationship of your life. This is when the union truly feels divine. There's reciprocity and sex turns into an act of rejuvenation and it's a source of power for both of you. The union itself has the power to transcend anything of this world and it feels like a 300-year wedding night. Arjuna helps us separate from the ego. 
and fully give ourselves to another person. It helps us work on trust, commitment, morals, understanding of the other, compassion, soulmates, spiritual unions, and equality within a union. I think that our Juno is really big on that because it is associated with Libra as well as Scorpio. That's kind of the shadow side of it, the Scorpio side, as you can tell, revenge, jealousy, lust, all of that. But equality is so big because there's a justice factor to to Hera, to Juno, because she was the, the flip side of Jupiter. She is his better half, his other half. If you look at them, both of them ruling Mount Olympus, you can see Jupiter as the moralist, expansive side. And you can see Juno as the ethics and the foundations and the one that wants to expand, yes, but equally for everyone involved. So equality with Juno is a really big deal and you can see what you find unfair in a relationship through your Juno placement. The shadow side of Juno helps us see our fears in a relationship where we're becoming unhealthily attached, how we manipulate to get our way, and what type of power we wield. And what we're capable of when we feel powerless and like the world is slipping through our fingers, we all... I think, you know, a lot of us, at least I won't say all of us, but a lot of us have been in a situation where the person is leaving or we feel the relationship starting to crumble and we're going to scrounge and maybe act in a way that we normally wouldn't in order to keep that relationship alive or hang on to it. And we may even tread into moral ambiguity where we're like, okay, well, I'll become this person or I'll start doing this just in order for you to stay. And that's when we see our Juno kind of acting out of shadow instead of out of light. Juno has the potential to be the most beautiful spot in our chart. And it also has the potential to cast the biggest shadow. This isn't a one-to-one comparison because they are their own placements. But when I see the shadow version of Juno, it almost mirrors Lilith a little bit for me. It starts acting out of power and lust and greed and jealousy, and it really takes on a Lilith type of uh, signification. Again, they are very separate and they are their own things, but the shadow side of Juno is a sister of Lilith. And you can write that down and you can quote me on it because that is 100% true. The shadow of Juno is a sister of Lilith. I think we need to experience both of those sides, that we need to experience the light and the shadow in order to truly understand Juno and her plight of commitment to the other. Every time we agree to enter a relationship of any sort, it's a chance to learn about how we interact with the other and what we need in order to uphold the union at its highest expression. I know that was a lot of talking, just, you know, and musing about the significations of Juno, So let's go over a list of key words for her significations. We have commitment, sacred union and sacred sex, soulmates, marriage, fidelity, scorn, jealousy, rage, power dynamics, possessiveness, and manipulation. Those are big ones for Juno because when Jupiter would poke at her and really bring out her shadow side, possessiveness and manipulation were huge. We also have betrayal and forgiveness, which are also very big because in the end, Juno did find a way to access her compassion and forgive Jupiter every time. She never left. There was never a divorce. There was nothing. Those two ruled Mount Olympus till the end of their days. And then we also have abandonment and intimacy. And I think it's clear that we can see that 
each shadow expression of Juno has its healthy part. It has its lighter part. The type of union we get ourselves into will feed Juno the psychic energy that informs her on how she's going to express. She's an amazing point in sinistry and honestly, probably one of the most important for relational astrology. When I'm looking at someone's relationship, even if I'm not looking synastry wise, if I'm just looking at their chart in general and I see their Juno, that tells me one, what they're willing to put up with in a relationship and two, what they need in order to stay. It's, it's very much also a commitment thing. It's like, okay, what is the bare minimum that I need to feel like I can stay in this relationship? The rest, I can put up with the rest of the antics, but what are my breaking points? What are the things that are going to send me out the door? And we're going to explore those when we get to the signs as well as house placements. Symbols related to Juno are peacocks and cuckoo birds. So, you know, of course, cuckoo birds just because of her myth in general, but also peacocks. Veils, because veils are something that, you know, are used in a sacred union, a wedding. Also a scepter, which that's what her glyph looks like. It looks like a scepter and that's to indicate royalty. I think that really covers it as a broad spectrum overview for Juno. I could muse about Juno for days because it is a relational aspect. It is the relational asteroid. It's the marriage asteroid. And my seventh house moon is obsessed with that. I am so here for anything relational and especially Juno. She's a powerful force that brings the ideals of commitment and sacred ceremonies to the forefront of consciousness. She indicates what we crave in relationships and how we'll act when our needs aren't being met. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll go over Juno in each of the zodiac signs, and then I'll release a blog post that explores Juno throughout the houses for my patrons. If you want more astrological content before the next episode, consider signing up to become a patron of my work. I have exclusive blog content, monthly horoscopes, retrograde guides, and a discord waiting for you to join. You could also leave a glowing review on Spotify or iTunes, which I would be eternally grateful for. Head on over to my website, check it all out, and thank you in advance for supporting me. I'll see all you babes later.